Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host, he was a teenage dirtbag baby. It's Micah. Oh, that's such a fun song. <laughs> Isn't it? It's that's, a very good song. That's I sang that song with your wife in karaoke. She loves that song. Yeah, it's a it's a solid song. What's the band's name? I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea who's it's some one hit wonder band. Yeah, she she fucking loves that song. Isn't that from the new guy movie? I don't recall that song specifically, but I'm sure it I It love seems that like movie. it was in the new guy. It's very on theme. Yeah. I think you're right. It's around that time, too. Uh, Maybe maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Maybe I'm thinking of Accepted. Uh, You know what song was definitely a new guy that's kind of similar? I'm just a kid and life was a nightmare. Oh, that stupid Simple Plan song. I know that it's not Oh, I hate Simple Plan. I think it's kind of like thematically it's in the same vein. Yeah. But Teenage Dirtbag is actually... Yeah, it's an... It's a, it's a good I just don't like Simple Plan because I feel like they, they suck. Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're for teenage girls. Well, they, they're like, we're edgy, but we're family friendly edgy. Like, we still want your moms to buy the concert tickets to our shows and show up. So they're like punk light. Yeah, man. That was the heyday of pop punk. Yeah, like Good Charlotte. Uh-huh. I feel like oh, yeah. Good Charlotte. Simple Plan, though, they were just really egregious Dude, for like, some I reason. I know you're an Ink Master fan. I am an Ink, Ink Master fan, yeah. Have you seen the last two seasons? So I watched not... I've watched some of the latest season, but not all of it. It's not all out yet. Um, and I watched the season previously. Dude, they replaced Dave Navarro yeah. with the guy from Good Charlotte. Yeah, with Joel from and Good Charlotte. Sucks. Do you know why they had to do that? I mean, Why they changed the cast? Well, I know that what's his nuts, the guy with the mustache and and ponytail, he yeah. had some allegations against him. No, not allegations. Pictures of okay, so Oliver Peck, fame, you know, in the tattoo world, famous guy on the show Ink Master. If you don't watch it, go watch it. It's on Paramount Plus. It's a pretty good competition show. Yeah, it actually is. Lots of drama, but it's pretty good. Yeah, skip past it. Just look at the tattoos. They're very cool. But in any case, so there were pictures of him for from like a Halloween many years ago. Okay. Where uh, he went in full blackface. Okay. Was wearing a like a big afro and he was wearing like a Superman shirt. But instead of the S, it was an N. So I'll (laughs) so I'll let you I'll let you figure out what that N is supposed to mean. Super Nigerian. I I can tell you what it definitely means. Not on TV anymore. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Super Nigerian. I'm sure is what it meant. (laughs) I swear to God, you can look up the pictures there. That's kind of hilarious. But also at the same time, like. But how long ago? Uh, I don't think anybody's defending that. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty obviously like it's bad. uh, That's not a good look. Yeah. But also you can the picture. It's like an old grainy picture. It's probably from like the early 2000s. Not to say that like, yeah, it was totally cool to be racist in the 2000s. Of course not. Yeah. But who's to say he's that same guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't account for like. That's kind of my issue with with all of it. It's not to say that it was isn't bad in any case where that type of stuff happens. Obviously, yeah, you could have made better decisions, right? 
But if it is from like 15, 20 years ago, uh, I don't know. I feel like we should give people some benefit of the doubt that they're maybe have seen the light and aren't the same person from 20 years ago or 15 years ago. I don't know. But yeah. So I don't know if that's entirely why it got taken off, like why they changed all the hosts. Sure. Um, Because they also kind of seemed like there was towards the later seasons, it seemed like there was some animosity there. I definitely felt like they bickered a lot. Yeah. Like they didn't, which I kind of, which added to the show. Sure. Um, So I don't know if it was like, they're like, we need to bring in cheaper guys because these guys have been doing this forever and they need too much money. That might be part of it. I'm sure the Oliver Peck thing definitely played. He was definitely going to be gone. Yeah. Maybe the other two guys, Dave Navarro and Chris Nunez were like, if he's not on it, we're not. Who knows? Yeah. But that certainly played a role. Well, they brought Dave Navarro back for that season, like the new season afterwards, but it was very minimal yeah they he spent a day like he spent a couple hours like recording video messages yeah just to help with the transition but here's the thing i never thought i would say this yeah dave navarro is an incredible host when compared to the guy from good charlotte he's so bad <laughs> they could have at least gotten the better twin he, from he good has charlotte. no charisma yeah no riz they should have got benji benji has got no riz Benji's the one that they should have got. Benji's the one that was like the more punk out of the two of them. Was it? I don't. Yeah, because <laughs> tw- he's he's a twin, right? The two. I don't know. The, you don't know your good Charlotte Laura Thor. I, I know their brothers. Yeah, they're... I didn't know the guy's name. I didn't even know the guy's name was Benji. Yeah, I can't even tell you the 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 other one who's the host of the show. His name I've is been Joel. Watching. Oh, it's Joel. Okay. <sighs> oh, that's right. He did the football games. Joel Madden football. Yep. That, those are his games. Yep. Joe Madden. That's him. <laughs> I want you to draw a tattoo about football. I want to see Joe Madden as the host for Ink Masters. Uh, that's John Madden. John Madden. You, whatever. I don't oh, dude, do sports That actually ball. would be kind of hilarious because he, he would always draw the pic. Like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd have like the whiteboard yeah. overlay. You could have put some contrast right here. He's drawn some arrows with X's oh, and circles. God. He would be the best. And he wouldn't understand the tattoos. At all. <laughs> not at all. See, what you did here, I'm not sure what this is, but what you should have done is drawn a pony. A pony would have looked good. Yeah, you should have put <laughs> Brett Favre right here. Brett Favre's <laughs> always good for 14 he points. He Brett Favre. He loved Brett Favre. Oh, uh, yeah. I, you know what? I'd watch it. I would watch it. Hey, speaking of Brett Favre, that's he played on a very Midwestern team. The he Green did. Bay Packers. He did, all the way from Wisconsin. That's a nice transition. That's it's pretty close <laughs> into talking about Fargo. Yeah, we got to talk Wisconsin, about Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota. It's all it's all the same basically state. Basically the same. Yeah. Yeah. No offense, guys, but that's what we think in yeah. the eastern states here. Once again, yeah, bullshit states. Not part of the original thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> you're not a colony state. <laughs> Hey, folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getwreckedpod at gmail.com. 
That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, so today, Thor, we are going to talk about Fargo. Not the TV show, but the film that the TV show is heavily inspired by uh, that was made in 1996. This is a Coen brother film. It was directed by Joel Coen. It was written by Joel and Ethan Coen, and then Ethan Coen's the producer. These guys do a bunch of movies. If you have any knowledge of movies at all, you've probably heard the Coen brothers at some point, that phrase. They're just like Hollywood darlings at this point. Dude, No Country for Old Men. Yeah, No Country for Old Men's great. Um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was a Coen brother film. Wait, really? Yep. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, uh, this movie, Fargo, is a Coen Brother film. There's another one called Barton Fink, fantastic Coen Brother film. Miller's Crossing is another one. Uh, they've done a lot of really, really good stuff. Like, really good stuff. Um, no Country for Old Men's great. Oh my gosh, I love I that I think movie. it's the pinnacle of their work. I Also, I didn't realize, oh brother, where art that was a Coen Brother film? Because yeah. when I think of them, I always think, everybody always talks about, oh, they're dark, they're dark stuff, Fargo... Sure. Uh, even though I didn't really remember watching Fargo, and spoiler, I realized as I was watching it, I definitely have seen this. Oh, okay. Didn't remember like anything about it. Okay. For the most part, um, but you—they always talk about their dark stuff. I didn't realize. Yeah, they do comedy. So, did you see Burn After Reading? Because that was theirs too. Sure. Yeah. That was a Fargo. Okay. That was a Coen Brother film. Oh, okay. Right on. Um, they also well, Fargo's kind of like a comedy film. Fargo's like, definitely a dark a, comedy. Yeah, <laughs> like in a very dark way. Yeah, and they did another one called The Lady Killers, which if you haven't seen that. That sounds familiar. I think I've seen that. That one's got Tom Hanks in it, and he plays a very posh, like, Englishman, and they decide that they are going to rob a bank. Um, but their, their little safe house, like, where they're staying to plan everything, mm-hmm. is in this sweet little old black lady's home, living in their basement. And it's just... it. Coen Brother films have a methodology to them where something is presented, there's a plan... That plan absolutely does not go as planned. And then the movie ends and nothing has happened. That's essentially that's 80%. Okay. Yeah, that's 80% of their films. So with that, uh, getting into this film, all right, it stars, it's got a pretty awesome cast, actually, going back and looking at it. Um, I think that the Coen brothers are, they use a lot of the same people quite a bit. So William H. Macy plays the main uh, I guess the main protagonist, if you want to call him that. So his name is Jerry Lundergaard. And man, the the names and the accents in this movie, top notch. Yeah, agreed. So I don't care what you say, Thor, top notch. But Francis McDormand is in this. I'm pretty sure that Francis McDormand was married to one of the Coen brothers or okay, is married to one of the Coen brothers. What did he play? So Francis McDormand is the pregnant cop. Is, oh, okay. is Marge so Gunderson. So Francis McDormand is a lady yes. and not a gentleman. Yep. Okay. Ah, you just got Tracy Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, Steve Buscemi's in it. A guy named Peter Stormare, uh, who he plays the the really quiet guy out of the two, like Steve Buscemi, and then the blonde guy who doesn't talk. Oh yeah, yeah. He's doing awesome. the kidnapping. Have you ever seen American Gods? American? No, I haven't actually. It, it's a Showtime series based on a book of the same name. He plays a really cool character. I I like him is what I'm getting at. I yeah. think he's a great character actor. Um, he plays a really cool role in that show that I enjoy as well. I'm pretty sure that... Like kind of a similar, 
like dark brooding quiet character yeah yeah he's he's a he does that quite a bit i'm pretty sure that he was in a series called longmire i don't know if you've seen longmire at all it's like a western thing right yeah but it's like a modern day i I haven't seen it but i'm familiar with the name but yeah he he always plays this uh just grizzled evil guy I think that he played, yeah, he played Satan in the Constantine movie. Okay. With uh, Keanu Reeves. I could see that. He does have a Satan-y face. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so yeah, William H. Macy, uh, he is the top salesman of his father-in-law's car dealership, and he devises a scheme to get his wife kidnapped so that he can collect the ransom from his father-in-law, who's very well off. That's the bare-bones premise of where this starts but as all coen brother films it goes awry fairly quickly and also important to note fully based on a true story yeah so i don't know if is that true is that real i don't think that that is real uh it does the movie does come up with that quote that says that they've changed all the names for um out of recognition for the dead but out of recognition for Everybody, or, or no, out of respect. No, at, a, at request of the survivors, the names are changed. Yes. Out of respect for the dead, the story is represented exactly as it happened. Yeah. I don't think that that's true. I'm fairly certain that that's all bullshit. Okay. I, I, I think. I don't know. I'll ask chat GPT later in this episode. So, yeah, they basically, he gets his wife kidnapped and then just things go amok. Uh, we were probably going to cover... A good bit of the plot. This movie came out in 1996, which sadly is 30 years ago almost at this point. Yeah. 27 years ago. So if you haven't seen this, you should see it. Um, But we are going to be talking about some spoiler type of stuff. So there's your warning. You can skip ahead to 22 minutes and 15 seconds if you want to miss out all that stuff. So, Thor, with that being said... What'd you think of Fargo? I hate their accents so much. What? Like, I get that the accents are done well. Okay. I think it's... You can't talk about this movie without talking about their stupid accents. The I said it last week, and I still say this. Yeah. It's the worst accent in the world. It's the least attractive accent. <laughs> I would say... That is a it's a positive point of the film because great art makes you feel something. Sure. And their horrible Midwestern accents made me feel something. It was anger, but I felt. Oh, see, I felt like the the accents add so much comedy to this movie. Oh, they oh, they absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. Like because especially the juxtaposition of the accent uh, like juxtaposed. Jesus, I'm I'm just gonna st- I'm just gonna stop using the word tonight. Yeah. So that accent mm-hmm. set to the background of what's happening is hilarious. So it definitely has an effect, but it's just like it's so hard. Yeah. I'm like God. I hate it so much. Well, I think part of the fun for me in it is stereotypically. They say that people from Minnesota, North Dakota are super, super friendly people and non-confrontational. So that has been my experience. Yeah. So there's there's all of this kind of conflict that's happening conversation wise, but they're all just real polite about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And and I don't know. To me, it's just 
it's hysterical. We'll kind of jump around the plot. My fav- probably one of my favorite scenes of this movie. Yeah. Is Frances McDormand, who I now know is a woman. Yep. Her character, specifically that accent and her character, is so interesting. Because the whole time, there's this insane shit going on around her. And she's always just cool as a cucumber. She is. Right? She walks in on a triple homicide. And she's like, oh, where's that state police at? Oh, yeah, well, it seems to me that, oh, this fella... Uh, somebody got pulled over and they killed the cop and then these fellows saw it and then we got in a high speed chase and he killed these two fellows. And it's like, she's just totally cool, calm and collected. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you feel like it's not her first rodeo almost. And then you get this scene and like, she's like that the whole way through. Like Mm -hmm. even when people are dicks to her, uh, because she's a cop and people are assholes to cops. Yeah. She retains her calm and just nothing really phases her. She's always just very flatline. Mm hmm. And then you get the scene with her and uh, what's his name? Uh, William H. Macy's character. Oh, yeah. Jerry Lundegaard. Yeah. So so she's talking to Jerry and she's questioning him. And it's towards the end of the movie. And she's asking him about, like, how do you know the Sierra's still on your lot? Do you do a lot count? And she's basically pressing him. Yeah. Like, how would you know that this car is missing? Like, yep. And he starts getting nervous and her like demeanor kind of changes as soon. It's like she immediately recognizes there's something going on with him yeah. and that there's more to it. And her demeanor changes and then she becomes like a cop that you would expect. She starts turning the screws on him. Yeah. Such a great scene. It, it really and, is. And it's made so great by that accent and by that whole kind of like everybody's Midwestern and very polite and happy because when she turns and then all of a sudden she's not acting polite and cordial. Yeah. It's like, it's this minute thing, but in the context, it's like this, it's a blown up, like major thing. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. That's not something that I had really considered, but it does in a very subtle way, stress the severity of, of what is happening at that moment. Cause as much as I say, I hate that accent and I did, it's like, it's not pleasant to listen to <laughs> dude. I love Francis McDormand in this film. She's great. She plays Maggie Margie. Uh, Margie. Yep. Margie, Margie Gunderson. Dude, I dude, She's so great in this film. It's, yes, it's ridiculous. Like that character is just so unique. Yeah. Well, and she's, uh, we didn't say this, but she's, seven months pregnant oh yeah that's right through the entire film and at the beginning where she's looking at the crime scene where there's a flipped over car on the side of the highway there's a person who was stuck in the car that got shot in the face and she's looking at it and then she just kind of bends over and the cop that she's with like the deputy is like you okay there margie and she goes oh yeah yep and she just stands up she goes just a bit of morning sickness <laughs> yeah right like like, she's about to throw up, but not because of the scene. She's about to throw up because she's seven months pregnant. Yeah. And she's just like, okay, yep, that seemed to have passed. Well, let's go talk. Let's go see the uh, state trooper. Such an interesting character. I really. Yeah. Like her. And then obviously Steve Buscemi is just. He's, he's great. He's Steve Buscemi. It's like, how can you not love him? He's an American treasure. He really is. <laughs> he really is. And he always just kind of plays Steve Buscemi. I'm fine with that. Yep. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, his. I mean, I he added so much comedy in this to me. Uh huh. He's just such a great comedian. I I don't know if he. I don't know if he's ever done stand up. I don't know if he's that type of comedian. But man, on screen, he knows how to deliver lines. Oh yeah, he's one of the greatest just, comedic actors. Yeah. of of our lifetime, dude. Just absolutely great. Also, can we talk about uh, Jerry Lundegaard and how much of a sleaze ball this guy is? <laughs> dude. There's not many good people in this movie, which, again, is commonplace in a Coen Brother film. So I would say I would argue that maybe Frances McDormand's character, maybe her husband, the stamp painter, um, and maybe some of the cops that are... Side oh, he's a ancillary. stamp painter? Yeah, so he does paintings. He does scenic wildlife paintings in the winter of North Dakota. Okay, so I I picked up that he was did something with stamps. I didn't yeah. realize he was painted that. Yeah, so he's painting the scenes, all right, which is comedic in its own right because he's a landscape painter in North Dakota. <laughs> it's all snow. That's it. There's it's all snow and trees. Yeah. Like So that's why he was talking about how his uh he got the 3 cent stamp at the end of the movie. Because his painting was chosen for the three cents. Yeah, I love. Uh, do you know that actor's name? Do you have that pulled up? Uh, he is. Let's see. He's on IMDb and I've got that pulled up. So let me see if I can find him on here. John Carroll Lynch. OK, I found it. Dude, I li- he plays a very small role in this. Yeah, but I always like anytime I see him around. Did you ever watch the Drew Carey show? Back Years? in the 90s? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was he, he in that? He played Drew Carey's brother. Oh, he did, didn't he? Man. I've been a lifelong fan of him ever since then. Ever since then? <laughs> yeah, he's great. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I learned about Ryan Stiles through Drew Carey. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, that's, okay. Yeah, so so anyway, how do you how do you feel about um, William H. Macy's character, Jerry Lundergaard? Dude, Jerry Lundergaard is just a dirtbag. He really is. He's a adult dirtbag, baby. Yeah, like, <laughs> he really is. Dude, I love that. Well, because it starts out and he's like, you can you know that he owes people money. That's why he's doing uh-huh. this whole thing. But his wife doesn't know and his step or his uh, father-in-law doesn't know. And they make an agreement. So he sits down with Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare's character about kidnapping his wife. And he's like 80 grand. And you get 40, I get 40. And you get this car, right? I'll give you this car as, yeah. as an upfront thing. And then as it goes on, he he just never, he always starts upping that ante of how much money he needs. So there's a point where you realize, oh, he's 320K in the hole for some other thing. And then when he talks to his stepfather about his wife now being kidnapped, he's like, well, we need a million dollars. That's uh-huh. the ransom. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a huge jump between eighty thousand and a and oh, yeah. a million dollars. Yeah, dude, that's such a great, uh, such a great scene. That that's another one where they're kind of sitting down in this, uh, this restaurant on this like a fucking on the side of a highway. Yeah, discussing you know our we can't go to the cops. We can't like. It reminded me a lot of, um, when we watched Uncut Gems. Okay. Uh, Adam Sandler's character, you know, the main character in that. Yeah. Same thing. This guy who's just, he's underwater and he's always underwater. Oh, yeah. And he's always just 
scheming and wheeling and dealing with people trying to get ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Which, and I like that character. I respect the hell out of him. Because sure. I could never be that guy. He's a shyster for sure. Yeah, yeah, dude. I love a shyster. I yeah. love a good grifter. Like, it's just fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and and you, you get the sense from, you know, at the very, very beginning, he's like, he, he owes money. But you don't really know about the character. You don't get a sense of his morality. And then the next scene that you have him with, he's in the dealership and he brings this family in and he basically swindled them into paying more for a car than what they originally wanted to pay for. Yeah. Uh, And so you're like, oh, no, this guy's just kind of a jerk. Yeah, And the guy's yelling at him like, you got to knock this charge off. He's like, well, let me talk to the boss. And he comes back in after he doesn't talk to the boss. He just goes into his break room and tries to like muscle his his co-worker for some tickets to a hockey game yeah and he comes in he's like well the boss never does this but i can knock a hundred dollars off yeah (laughs) and the guy's pissed but he's like just just give me my checkbook so we can get this over with yeah well and i love it too because again they're so polite there and he's just like you're 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 a liar you're a a a fucking liar Right, yeah, and as yeah, like soon it, as he says that, like his wife is him to come out of yeah, his body. He, he yeah. hates getting that anger that he's swearing, and his wife is just like, "Oh my gosh," you know, she's embarrassed, and she really just wants to be done with the whole thing. But yeah, I feel like that's uh, it's a good indicator of of the type of character that we're going to yeah, see. Dude. William H Macy is one of those guys who I anytime you see him, he's, he's another one. Like yeah. like the whole cast in this is just incredible. There's nobody who I can pick out and say. Oh, I didn't care for them. And a lot of them went on to to do other great things as well as probably had already been in great things. Sure. Um, yeah, the cast is incredible. Yeah. But yeah. William H. Macy, oh my gosh. He, he is definitely the right guy for this thing. He definitely is. How did you feel about uh, his father-in-law? Who was Once Wade again. Gustafson. All right, Wade Gustafson. Gustafson. Wade Gustafson. Yeah, weird. Go. All those weird, like, German, <laughs> American names. Um, Dude, he's awesome. He's, yeah. like, the perfect kind of, like, shitty father-in-law. Like, there's the incredible line where he's like, well, um, what what's uh Jerry's wife's name, Jean? And he's like, well, I just worry about... uh Jean and Scotty? I just worry about what, you know, me, Jean, and Scotty. It would really help us a lot. And he goes... Gene and Scotty never have to worry. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it says ev- it says everything. Yeah. It tells you everything about his character. It's, it's literally two lines of dialogue. Yep. And it tells you everything you need to know about their relationship. Yeah. Like, Fan- fantastic writing. Incredible writing. Yeah. <sighs> so, Thor, we talked a little bit about some of the characters. Um how did you feel about the overarching plot? Cause it goes amiss pretty quickly, pretty quickly. Things go wrong and a lot of people die. <laughs> it's a very funny, uh, <laughs> very funny. I like a dark plot. Yeah. I don't like a happy ending. So it kind of hits the mark on That's, all those things. For it's me not a very happy ending. There is not a, there really isn't a happy ending. Basically everybody ends up dead. Yeah. A lot of people do. Or dead or in jail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, especially especially um, the wife. Like, Jean? Poor Jean Lundegaard. 
she just gets kidnapped and then she ends up dead. Dude, I kind of love the way that her character is handled in this. Like it's because she gets the most she has the most tragic story. Yeah. Like her story is horrific. She's just a nice lady. Mm-hmm. She's just a mother who knits and loves yeah. her family. Yep. That, that's literally all she is. And then she just happened to marry this fucking sleazeball. She doesn't even realize how much of a sleazebag he is. Right. And because of his actions, she gets kidnapped and murdered because she was yelling. Yeah. And and like and she's a minor character in the story. Like you don't even see him kill her. Right. They just they get like she's held captive. And then one scene he comes in, he's like, what happened to her? He's like, oh, she started yelling. Yeah. And it's like once it's another it's such an interesting way to write. I get what people's love for this movie is Mm -hmm. because like that's such an interesting story. Yeah. But she it's just like minor is and in the actual plot. Yeah. And and it's like she's once again, it's a fucking tragic tale. Yeah. But, but it's like, a little funny. Yeah, but it's not even about her at, at all, all in any way. Yeah. It does like no justice to that character. She's so what ancillary. That yeah. Like she's kind of the crux of the whole film. Right. But also an ancillary character that is kind of like ignored. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, it, it's interesting. And uh, yeah, so I, <laughs> I, I just like the way it's approached. Yeah. So, um, what did you think about is his name? Geyer, Gare, Grimsrud. This dude's stone cold. Who is that? He's uh, Peter Stormare. He's the blonde guy. Oh yeah, yeah. This guy's just stone cold, <laughs> ruthless. Yeah. He just just uh, kills a cop immediately. Yeah. And then there's two witnesses, and he just without a word just chases them down yeah and guns them down guns. like yeah like steve Bashimi, his character carl i feel like if if the other guy wasn't involved i feel like this probably could have been much better i think it would have probably handled itself to the degree yeah. i think a lot well, better and what's funny i don't know if you picked up on this the hilarious thing is because god i'm gonna keep forgetting his name Fucking Jerry, Jerry. Lundegaard. Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. Jerry went to this guy who works like kind of for him. Yeah, he's a mechanic at a the mechanic. car dealership. And he found this friend, you know, a friend of his from, you know, because he was in prison. It's like a friend of his from prison. Mm-hmm. And the other. And so that's he's the one who kind of hooks up Jerry with these two criminals who are going to kidnap his wife. But he only knows the one. Like, he hooked him up with this guy, and then that guy's friend tagged along. Yeah. And it almost leads you to believe, like, like unintentionally, or, or not, it doesn't come out and say it, but the whole time you're thinking, oh, Steve Buscemi's character is his friend, because he's the one who's always talking. No, the psychopathic murderer yeah. was this guy's friend that he hooked him up with. That he vouched so for. So I don't think it ever would have went any other way. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's true, because then he... So Steve Buscemi probably got called in to the job. Yeah. 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 You're we're probably right. You're probably right. Which I, And that was just another neat little, like, small, once again, there's not attention brought to it. Yeah. 
but it's one of those things you just kind of pick up watching on is like, oh, this whole time I thought Steve Buscemi would have been the guy. Yep. Because he's the one who does all the talking. But really, yeah, he was the one that got brought in on the job. And he does all the talking. Yeah, I love I love there's a scene where he's like, are you going to are you going to fucking talk, man? It's been like four hours. You have you said nice. <laughs> Great conversation that is. Dude, and I totally get that scene because there's nothing worse than being in the car with somebody <laughs> that you don't know super well. And it's like that awkward of like, what do we talk about? Yeah. yeah especially with and, that guy. And in the especially car. if somebody's trying. Yeah. Or like if you're trying, like if you've ever been in a situation where you're trying and the other person is just giving you nothing. That's the worst. And I love he's like, two can play that game. Total silence, complete quiet, total two, two can play at that game. He just doesn't <laughs> shut up yeah. talking about how he's not going to talk. Yeah, I like their dynamic a lot because mm-hmm. um, there is this kind of like quiet thing of where like Steve Buscemi wants to be in charge. But then, uh, God, I'm trying to remember. It's Carl and Wade. Carl and uh, it's Geyer or Geyer. Oh, it's yeah. G-A-E- Carl and Geyer. I'm going to say Geyer. 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 He's Gare. like some Eastern European. What's well, uh, yeah. Geyer so, Gare Grimson? Yeah. Carl and Geyer. And like Carl is constantly trying to be like he's trying to like assert dominance that like he's in charge. But meanwhile, Gare doesn't give a fuck. He just does whatever he wants. And Clearly, he's a yeah. psychopath who he just really kills people with reckless abandon. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> reckless abandon. <laughs> well, well, Steve Buscemi tries to bribe the cop because they get pulled over because <laughs> yeah. they're in this stupid Sierra with uh, no tags. They got dealer tags on it still. Yeah, I thought that scene was hilarious because it felt like anybody who's ever played D&D, if you're playing a charisma based character, oh, yeah. he like he went for it and he rolled like a he rolled a two. Yeah, he, <laughs> you know, his charisma check failed miserably. Yeah. And, and, and then when that cop got real serious, he just flipped the wallet over and he goes, you can put that back in your pocket, sir. Step out of the car, please, sir. Yeah. <laughs> just, and at that point, he just. Pulls out his gun and shoots him in the face. Yep. Yeah, he like pulls him in the car and and also they have a girl tied up in their back seat. Yeah. Which like he's a bad cop. He should have seen that immediately and been like, what the fuck is going on? Well, she was covered, right? Like she. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was covered oh, okay. with a blanket or something like that. And when the cop was coming up, Steve Bashimi looks, turns over and he goes, all right now, lady, you need to be real still like or, you know, we'll uh, shoot you. Yeah, like, like he just he had to make the threat, but he didn't know what to say. Oh, it was great. It's a shame that he dies. That character. It's a real shame that he dies, dude. He dies in the most awesome way possible, though. It's a pretty epic death. Because, well, first of all, I like they make the trade off, mm-hmm. and he's so he's so goddamn tired of like all this bullshit. Yeah, like because he's you obviously get the the idea right away. That, like he's not a murderer. Like, he's a criminal, yeah. he's a scumbag, but he's not a murderer. He's just kind of like, you know, a grifter. He's, you know, he's pulling schemes and shit. Not a murderer, though. And yeah. so, like, the fact they've dealt with a triple murder already. Yep. He's like, he's tired of all the bullshit. So then Gene's dad, because she he doesn't want to let Jerry fuck it up. <laughs> Gene's dad gives him the money 
And so he's like, I'm tired of you guys. I'm tired of you people. Just drop the money, man. And then uh, he kind of like struggles with him. So he just shoots him. Yep. Yeah. And then he gets shot in the face. <laughs> yeah, like clips his cheek type of thing. So he, uh, so he just starts bleeding profusely. Yeah, out of his cheek. And then I love when he just empties his clip into the dead body. So much frustration being <laughs> let out like, right there. Such a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, he like nine rounds where go it's into like, the guy. like where it's like, yeah, he's murdering a person. I don't approve. Right. But I get where he's coming from. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's tired of this. Like this should have been a real easy job. Where, where you really feel for him. Yeah. You're like, like, man, this guy's had a really rough day. I feel for this guy. He's just trying to hustle. <laughs> This should have been a no-nonsense job. And then I love, he hides, like, once he opens the bag and realizes it's a million dollars. Yep. He, like, pulls over and hides the money. Yeah. Which is a never-resolved plot point, which I love. Like, you said everything just ends unhappy for everyone and nothing really is resolved. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then he comes in, and first thing he sees is dead wife. And he's like, what happened to her? Well, she started yelling, so I fucking killed her. (laughs) <laughs> and then for some reason he thinks it's a good idea to tell Gare like look here's your 40,000 you can have my truck I'm taking the car and he's like no dude that was part of the job yeah we split the car and well how do we split a car I love that scene he's like how do you split a car because he's just he's like he's had it up to here <laughs> he's up to here and he's like how do you split a car dude I got shot in the face I'm taking the goddamn car. And he's like, no, one of us will pay the other one for half of what it's worth. Which honestly, Gear, he's very reasonable. You think? I think he's a pretty reasonable guy. His I don't know if lo- I agree with that, Thor. Logic anyways. Okay. Like, because here's the thing. Is he a ruthless, psychopathic murderer? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But he had a good point. Like, they weren't, he needed to kill the cop. That was the only way they were getting out of that situation. Probably. That was a very reasonable thing to do. There were witnesses. Once again, it was reasonable to chase them down and murder them. Yeah. I Once again, I don't approve, but pretty reasonable. Coming from his mind, you get it. This bitch was screaming, gonna get him caught. Obviously, you gotta kill her. Yep. Clearly. So he's like, it only makes sense. Like, he's a reasonable guy. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? He's like, you can't just take the car you gotta pay me for half yeah and for some reason carl is like you know what this guy who i've seen kill four people now <laughs> in the span of two days yeah i'm going i'm gonna tell him no fuck you i'm taking the car and i'm getting out of here honestly he kind of deserved to get chopped up with an axe dude yeah <laughs> dude, he, just <laughs> com- he just comes out of the cabin with an axe just hits him right in the neck. Dude, and then the most incredible scene, once Gear gets caught, because the cop comes and finds him stuffing Carl's body into a wood chipper. Yeah. Which, once again, cinematography-wise, just an incredible scene of just, like, this fountain of red spraying on the snow. Yeah. <laughs> and, when she, and when he realizes there's a cop pointing a gun and yelling at him, he steps away and you just see a foot with, in a sock in the wood chipper. <laughs> But in any case, so he gets caught after that. Yeah. And while he's riding in the car with Margie, they drive past the statue of Paul Bunyan with his axe. (laughs) Yep. Dude, there's 
just so much about this movie is there's a lot of subtle humor in it brilliant yeah dude well i love when she does because francis mcdormand is the one margie is the one who who catches him and she the wood chipper's going and this guy's just pushing the foot in the leg in there he's really preoccupied at the moment yeah so she does he doesn't hear her scream police hands up and then he just kind of has that sixth sense, like you know that somebody's watching you. Yeah. And he just kind of turns and sees her, and she just like points to her hat to show that she's a sheriff. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, and then just books it. She was a pretty good shot. She got him right in the leg. And dude, this guy, Gary, he was a really good shot. Because that guy, uh, when the car flips, a dude gets out of the car and starts running through the snow, and he just pulls out a handgun yeah, and, and shoots him, him square in the back yep. from a pretty far distance. He's he's done this before. Yeah, well, and that's one of those, you know, it's a movie you got to account for. Like, yeah, I'm just saying know, he's a real good shot know, with with that because a handgun that distance. That's yeah. No, you you definitely get the the feeling throughout this whole movie. Like. He is a killer. That's yeah. what he probably does professionally. This guy who recommended him, Jerry's co-worker who recommended him. Yeah. He just didn't care, basically. Because this guy, clearly, that's what he does. He kills people for a living. Yeah, there's no way that he didn't know when he was recommending this guy. Yeah. Like, the... And why would you... Like, he he really must not care about the business at all. Like, he has no connection with the family. Because it's a family-run business, right? Like... Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, no, he's a con. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Honestly, it makes you wonder, like, did he not? Because there's a lot about Jerry to not like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you think he recommended him this guy? Because he's like, this dude's a psycho and fuck Jerry. I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. This is my friend. I'm like, yeah. Is he is he a psychopathic murderer? Yeah, but he's a reasonable guy. He's fun to drink with. He doesn't say much. Right. He never talks my ear off. Pretty cool guy. Yeah. So maybe like. It can, you can't help but wonder, is like that why he recommended him? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that. And that. I could just be reading something into it. I don't just that word. That's not a thought I had had till just now. So I, don't, I could just be reading into something that's not really there. Sure. Yeah, that could be the case. Um, have you seen the show Fargo at all? Interesting. So Kendra watched this with me. Watch this movie? Yeah. Okay. And what did she, she enjoyed it. it. Okay. And so she wanted to watch the Fargo show today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We watched like five minutes and then there was baby stuff to take care of. Sure. So we ended up turning it off because we just were like, we're not going to have time to watch it right now. To like really focus on it? Yeah. So, no, I have not seen the show, though. Okay. Because it seems like I'm going to be watching it soon, though, because Kendra liked this movie a lot. Yeah. So the show Fargo, I'm pretty certain I watched the first season. It was really good. It's got Billy Bob Thornton in it. And yep. and it's also got, um, what's his nuts? The guy who plays Bilbo in The Hobbit? Yeah, yeah, Bilbo. And he, yeah. And he played... Um, I, I, I don't know the actor's name. Mar- he's just, is it Martin Freeman? He's just Bilbo. Yes, you are correct. Is it Martin, Martin Freeman? Freeman? He also played... Um, uh, when, uh, he played Sherlock Holmes. Watson. Uh, yeah, yeah Watson. he played Watson in I the Sherlock series with, with Cumberbatch. Yeah. So... 
yeah, that that series was great, but I'm I'm pretty sure that it's a series where season one and season two and season three, none of them are connected. I think it's an American horror story situation. Yeah. So the first episode opens mm-hmm. with the exact same disclaimer as the Fargo movie. Yeah. But instead it says they're based on events from two thousand six in Minnesota. Okay. So I and my assumption as soon as I saw that was I knew right away I was like oh I bet you every season is a different story and they probably all take place in the Midwest. Yeah. Um. So looking at this, is Fargo based on a true story? So, I was looking this up actually on Wikipedia. A little okay. Bit. So, this is what the Cohen brothers said. They okay. based the script on an actual criminal event, but wrote a fictional story around it. Uh, quote, we weren't interested in that kind of fidelity, said Joel Cohen. The basic events are the same as in the real case, but the characterizations are fully imagined. If an audience believe that something's based on a real event, it gives you permission to do things they might otherwise not accept. Oh, wow. So they basically admitted... So. They basically admitted that what they said in the beginning is not true. The yeah. events are not absolutely true. So they so they did that so that it would get a better reaction from the audience. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Touche, yeah. Cohen brothers. Touche. That's amazing. Oh, it says they've modified their explanation more than once. Hmm. In 1996, Joel Cohen told a reporter that contrary to the opening graphic, the actual murders were not committed in Minnesota. And then after, uh, so there were a lot of people in Minnesota who thought the story was inspired by the specific murder case of T. Eugene Thompson, a St. Paul attorney who was convicted of hiring a man to murder his wife in 1963. Uh, That was near the Cohen's hometown. Uh, The Cohen said they'd never heard of that case. After Thompson's death in 2015, Joel Cohen changed his explanation again. The story was completely completely made up, or as we like to say, the only thing true about it is that it's a story. <laughs> okay. So it seems like, this is kind of hilarious, it seems like they're intentionally vague about it, just yeah. to leave people guessing, so that people like us have a conversation of, I wonder if it really was I real. We, I wonder if it really was. Uh, um, yeah, looking into this, Francis McDormand is married to Joel Cohen, one of the Cohen brothers. Oh, wow. So Interesting. Yep. And they've been married for a bit, it looks like. They got married in 1984 and are still married. Oh, wow. So they had been married for 12 years at yeah. the time this came out? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Well, we are, we're at about that time, man. Um, so we're getting a little bit long here. With that being said, um, Thor, do you have any parting thoughts? If we were to rate this, um, let's say 1 to 20... Toes in a wood chipper. Oh, good one, yeah. yeah. So we're stuffing two people in a wood chipper. Nice. Yeah, I said 20 thinking appendages, but then I said toes. So, you know what? One to 20 phalanges in a wood chipper. Okay, one to 20 digits, phalanges, yep. what have you. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that okay. your toes are called so phalanges. As well. I have to get a little disclaimer. I think this is a great film. Okay. I 100% understand why people love it. Okay. For me personally, though, so my rating is, as always, it's just my personal rating. Mm-hmm. 
Given I, a lot of caveats I, I, here. I think I, I think I would give it like a nine out of ten for like a general view. Like I think people should see this movie. Okay. And most people have, I'm sure. This is one of those movies that like kind of everybody, you know, it's it's often talked about. Yeah. Well known. It's a classic. Um, for me personally, though, I think I'd probably go like closer, like fifteen, maybe. Okay. Maybe, uh, I said nine, so that'd be like eighteen out of twenty. We really, we got to work out this scale. We keep changing it and then it, <laughs> it kind of muddies things. Think so, about it like a so percentage. Maybe, so maybe like a 13. Not, okay. I think it's very good. Okay. I just, personally, I don't, I didn't love it. Okay. So I, I loved talking about it and I loved all the things they did, mm-hmm. but just the film overall, it feels very dated. I mean, it's from 96. Sure. And it takes place in the 80s. Yeah. Which they do a great job of making it feel like the film almost feels like it's from the 80s. I could see that a little bit. Yeah. I actually um, got that vibe when Jean, the wife, was running through the house with a shower curtain over her face. Yeah. That I was like, this feels like an old movie at that point. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's just it's a little bit it's a little bit slower. Maybe I've just been uh, I've had my mind destroyed by fucking big budget cgi films of the modern day maybe or yeah those Marvel I, I don't movies. know but yeah so i i like i said for me personally i think i'm gonna go 15 okay 15 out of 20 for my personal rating um i think as a general rating for most people i would say it say it should be higher i think it's a great film obviously yeah i don't think there's any question about that just for me personally i didn't uh i didn't love it um i think i would take no country for old men over this 100% of the time. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I would do that. Because I love that movie. I mean, that movie was and great. O, and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Very different movie, but yes. also, if I had to pick Coen Brothers movies, yeah, those are the two I'd be going with. Sure. So. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I might throw the Lady Killers at you at some point, because, ah, man, I just, I think you might like Lady Killers. That's another one that sounds familiar, like I may have watched it many years ago. Yeah. It's got... So it's got Tom Hanks. It's got the... Do they wear masks at one point? I don't like think that they do. president's masks? No, that's okay, Point Break. No, not Point Break. Oh, because, because that's with Keanu Reeves. That, that, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I know that movie, and that's the trope that... Because that's a trope that's been used in many movies since then. Yeah. So I'm probably just thinking of a different movie that, okay. that stole that yeah, it's uh, got, trope. It's got Tom Hanks. It's got one of the Wayne brothers in it. I think Marlon Wayan is in it. <laughs> I know you're not good with your Wayans. I'm not good with my Wayan brothers. I, there's so many of them. Is he the one from Scary Movie? Yeah. That's but, Marlon Wayans. But there's two of them in Scary Movie. Yeah. Yes, that is true. Damon is also in that one. The thinner framed one. So White Chicks. Aren't both of the Wayan brothers in yeah, White Marlon Chicks? Yeah, Marlon and Damon are both in White Chicks. You've got to pick so a I'm, movie where so only saying, one so Wayan brother is so in saying, the film. The skinnier one or the taller, more heavy set one? Not even heavy set, I but think like the, the skin, more muscular The skinnier one. one. Okay, yeah, that's Marlon. Okay, yeah, him. He's in it. And also the white defensive end player or the white defense player from Remember the Titans who ends up getting paralyzed at the end of the movie. Sean Astin. I don't know. I have no, no that's idea. Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Astin and Samwise Gam- Samwise Gamgee. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not him. It's not him. Okay. Um, I don't know. Remember the Titans? It's like you had you had to have watched Remember the Titans like ten times in middle school. Whenever you had a movie day in middle school, what a good movie! It was always Remember the Titans. Such a good movie. Yeah, it taught it, us so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah like football is. You great. know, if Oliver Peck had seen Remember the Titans, he probably would bet, still be. I on. bet he would have rethought that Halloween costume. Really you know would've. what I'm saying? He really would have. Uh, with American spirit and grit. He should have gone to that camp where the whites and the blacks had to sit in the... Don't say, in the, the, <laughs> don't say the blacks. You can say the whites, don't say the blacks. Even if... You, and I even get what you're saying. You're trying to say, like... <laughs> you're trying to say a very positive thing. You just you can't say it. They had to go to camp together, Thor. That's what I was getting at. The white people and the black people. Yeah. All right. I didn't yeah. mean that in a negative it's a way. Great, yeah, no, I know you didn't. But right. I'm just I was saying, referring to it. You just can't say it. I was referring to it in the way that they would have referred to it and remember the Titans. <laughs> I was trying to do a callback. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 15 out of 20. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well okay. That, you went full Minnesota <laughs> there. I'm dying. I'm dying. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. 15 out of 20. Uh, phalanges in a wood chipper. What do you guys think? Are you a fan of Fargo? Have you seen it before? If you haven't, you should really get on that. Um, yeah, let us know. Send us an email. Uh, find us on Instagram and also Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, give us a follow at Get Wrecked Podcast. Oh yeah, and write a review. I actually got a Spotify wrap up uh, from a friend today. Our good friend Patrick Hooker. And he said, hey, guess what my top podcast was for the year? Hell yeah. It was Get Wrecked. Thank you, Patrick. And once again, shout out for uh, making our intro song. It's the, it's the best intro song I've ever heard. And it's so, um, so yeah, um, next week, Thor, what are we going to be getting into? You know, I have something similar, not similar to this. I think similar in tone, maybe. Okay. I have a movie for you. It's called The Voices. Okay. The voice. It is. It is kind of like a comedy horror film. Interesting. Mixed with a little bit of Dexter. I enjoy me some Dexter. So and and it's definitely not a horror film, but I, I think it's. I don't know. It's kind of a tough movie to describe. So I'll give you the basic premise. Ryan Reynolds plays a young man who works at a factory. He is uh, like some type of mental illness, schizophrenia, maybe. He hears voices. So his pets talk to him. Okay. It's also a bit of a romantic comedy. He falls in love with a girl from his work. And it gets a little bit dark because he's not quite all there. Oh, good. So, But I think you could definitely draw a lot of lines from from Fargo to the voices, definitely a similar, similar vibe in that it's a okay. dark comedy, but there's a lot more romance. There's a lot more. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I like Ryan Reynolds. Um, also as uh, Anna Kendrick. Okay. All it's right. from 2014, I believe. So it was probably right before she became like a megastar. Sure. What was the movie that made? Was it Pitch Perfect that made her a megastar? I think that's what really put her over the top. Yeah. Sure. I remember she was in a movie called Rocket Science. Which okay. was, it was definitely an indie film, but it was about a guy, a teenage guy. So they played teenagers in this movie. And this teenage kid who had a stuttering problem wanted to join the debate team because Anna Kendrick's character was like the head of the debate team. 
And he had the hots for Anna Kendrick's character. Yeah, because who doesn't? She's America's sweetheart. Yeah. Um, you, oh, so, <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. But <laughs> okay. But I remember that that was a pretty good movie. That's the first thing that I really remember her being in that I've seen. But yeah, she definitely blew up in popularity. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, I think it was pitch perfect. Yeah. That fucking, that stupid song. Oh, the cup song? I took my tickets on a long yep. way around. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Yeah, you know how many stupid 16-year-old white girls did that stupid song on Instagram? For forever. Yeah, it was uh, It was a bit. Yeah. Um, in any case, yeah. In any case. So, Thor, where can they get a hold of us? Uh, once again, get wrecked podcast on Facebook or Instagram. Give us a follow. Uh, helps us in the algorithm. Means nothing to you, but everything to us. Or you can reach out to us directly to send us your feedback, requests, all that good stuff at getwreckedpod at gmail.com. That's G I T R E C D P O D at gmail.com. All right. Well, as always, folks, Otherwise, until next time, as always. You get wrecked out there. We'll get it right one of these days. Stay wrecked. Stay wrecked. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you get wrecked out there, don't you know? Oh, geez. Oh, stay wrecked. Stay. Oh, geez. Oh, stay wrecked, too.